0: What's up? Welcome back to Salty Saints Podcast. I'm Zach. That's Randy.
1: Hello there. What's going on, man? Uh, not too much. Not too much. So I'm excited about today. I'm excited about what we're going to talk about.
0: I am too. I am too. And I think I'm pretty much an expert now because I <laughs> took a college course on hey, it. Hey,
1: dude, man. And so, you know. You're sad.
0: That's just how it works, you know. Yeah. We, we, uh, we we college kids are just changing the world one, <laughs> one uh what a three-hour course, course at a time, at a time right? <laughs> right. Um, with that said, uh, I am by far no expert on this topic.
1: Well, let's talk about the topic so people kind yeah. of... Yeah. Well, it, it's they're...
0: one people probably aren't super familiar with the concept of.
1: Well, uh, the, the word itself. The concept, I think, is easy to understand, easy to get a hold of. The word itself... Probably wouldn't make most people say, "Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah." That's what they're talking about.
0: Hit us with it.
1: Hermeneutics.
0: Hermeneutics. Right. The study of hermand. of, of Herman. <laughs>
1: no, not quite. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you 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 said it earlier. Well, uh, it's the study of the way you study
1: Scripture. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. yeah it's the study of the process of studying Scripture. So
0: if that's not confusing enough for
1: you, that's a good place to start. But the concept is just how do you understand scripture?
0: Right. Yeah. Um, And so what – I'm trying to think where to dive in here. Yeah, I'll just say from the beginning. Um, What's kind of been opened up to me, though, is how depending on where you're from and what cultural background you have – affects the way you study scripture.
1: We, we see it pretty much if, if uh, we have participated in a Bible study, where the way they do it is they'll read a passage of scripture and then say, now what do you understand? What do you understand? One of the things that's always struck me about that is as you go around the circle, people have different views of what Absolutely. it actually means, what it says. Right. So how do you get at those different understandings? And is it right to say, well, you're right and you're wrong? Right.
0: Uh, <laughs> right. Um, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I'm, well, okay. Given, yeah, there are answers that are wrong and there are mm-hmm. answers that are right but there's also a whole lot of gray area
1: out there. <laughs> there sure
0: is. Where yeah. just and that's the thing. Two people can say two completely different things and both of them
1: be right. And what we mean when we say that, it's not so much that okay, you have a scripture and the scripture says something. It's not so much saying that what it says, what it meant for the original reader could be A or B. Usually it's A. You might get some variation, yeah. I was
0: gonna say, I dealt with a little bit of that in this course, and you've heard me talk your ear off about it already.
1: Well, some of the basic questions in hermeneutics, uh, first of all, what does scripture say? You've gotta get at an understanding of the text. Then you ask the question, what did it mean to the first people who read it? Paul wrote XYZ passage. Right. He wanted to convey something very specific. Right. So how did the people who first read it understand what Paul said?
0: So hear me out. Yeah. You, I believe that is the correct way to interpret scripture. Right? Yeah, I, I do 100%. Too. Right, right. But that is not how everyone does it.
1: And that's not the last question that you ask in hermeneutics. Right. Because you have to end up asking the question, okay, what about me? Right. How does this impact me? Right. And that's where you get, in a room full of eight people, you may have ten different answers.
0: And and I think the big big takeaway, though, is a lot of people either ignore the original context that it was written in or – they determine that that's not talking to them, it's talking to another group of people. So how does this apply to me? Right. Uh, And I think that affects some outcomes as well, which I don't necessarily think is absolutely wrong, but I think we really do have to consider what it originally meant in order to understand the heart behind what's happening in the Bible.
1: There is a contemporary approach to hermeneutics that uh, would say that meaning... Is not held in the text. Meaning is created by the person who reads the text. Uh, personally, I think that's very wrong. That, yeah, that's I, I think there is a meaning. That's too subjective in the text, and and they tend to overlook that initial question: How did the original readers understand this? Gotcha. They start by saying we can never know that, so we're not even going to ask. Or try to answer that question. (laughs) We're going to go straight to the question, what does it mean to me? And boy, once you go down that road, you can have some pretty wild answers.
0: Right, because the, the fact of the matter is so many of the Bible's questions, like so much of the context, so much of like what we're trying to understand about what's being said in Scripture can be supported by the rest of Scripture. Like, mm-hmm. it can be explained by just reading the whole book. If right. you read the whole Bible, it will help you understand any part of the Bible ten times better yep. than if you just read one book of it and try and read it isolated. Absolutely. Because language gets recycled throughout the Bible. A lot of what happens later is a reflection of what happened earlier.
1: They are remembering a vocabulary and a, and a set of concepts. Exactly. That come from their own past, which is recorded in Scripture.
0: Right. Which is exactly what I have against one of the, the interpreters that we're going to talk about today. Because, okay. buddy, I've been looking forward to this.
1: Hey, very good. But... Um, very good. <laughs>
0: With that said, though, uh, do you want to dive in and start talking about some, like, why this is important to apologetics? Yeah, yeah,
1: I think so, I think so. Um, do you have some examples? I mean, can we look at some scripture and see different ways in which it's interpreted?
0: Yeah, for sure. Let's do that. Okay. Um, before we do that, though, okay. I want to say why this is important Apologetics, gotcha. Because that's the heart of what we're doing here, right? We're trying to 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 be able to make a defense for the faith, to be able to preach the gospel, to be able to learn about. I mean, the other half of this podcast is faith stories, right? right. right. And so it's all about getting to know other people and where they're coming from and what their mm-hmm. background is. And that's what this is. When you know the background of a person— when you know about them, it helps you understand why they see Scripture the way they see Scripture. And so that's kind of what we're talking about today. Um, but to, to, to get to your point, um, one of the books I read in this class, and I don't have it with me, and I'm going to blank on some of these Scriptures, but, um, like, for instance, the Tower of Babel. Right. I was shocked to read how differently various groups of people saw the Tower of Babel. Now, you told on, me
1: some of this, and, and it's pretty amazing.
0: Right. Like, um, for instance, uh, off the, like I said, I didn't bring any of this. I wasn't thinking about this when I wrote some of this stuff down. But, like, um, in African culture, there's this story, and I don't remember the name of the god in, in the story, but it's the sky god. And what happens is it's this old African kind of fable, right, that God made everything, and he used to walk with man, right? He used to be with man. And one day, God was uh, just hanging around, you know, be, being with his people, and these women, these two women, old women, were trying to – they were making food or something? They were they – were They were doing something. It was just, like, some menial task, right? And in the middle of this, they got annoyed that God was there. And so they shoot him off. (laughs) And so he went back into the sky, and he left man, right? And they, they were, like, hitting him with their, like, whatever it was they were working on, right? And so he goes back into the sky. But this little rope from heaven to earth remained, okay and it fell down from the sky and it was the one bridge left and god sent a bluebird to go and snip the rope to bring it down so man could no longer get to god because in the african perspective um there's a power struggle right um oppression has always been a thing <clears throat> there's a lot of war civil wars lording over other people right and so like there's this view of god as this giver of power as this giver of life and power and so man wanted to be able to go to god for that power but then because they'd shoot him off god cut off their accessibility right and so then what happened is this interpreter turns around and says and so i see the tower of babel reflected in this story when I read the, ta- the story of the Tower of Babel, I think back to this story of my heritage, you know. And I see that, that little, bl- God sending that little bluebird to cut that rope. Well, I see that in Babel, that man's trying to reconnect that bridge, trying to climb back up to get to God for that power. So it's a good thing. Right. The, well, he didn't even really go that far. He just kind of drew this, this picture of the separateness between God and man. Okay. And, okay. and and man chose that, and now man has to suffer the consequence of that, and, and and so he basically saw that that God bringing down the Tower of Babel as God maintaining that separateness. But then through Christ, we see the reflection of now that is rebuilt. And my phone's ringing. I'm so sorry, but uh, yeah, the the idea is is that God is trying to maintain this separateness between. Uh, Hmm. between heaven and earth and so beyond that we can turn right around and we can look at what was the other one there was an asian view and this one threw me for a loop man because it was weird um within their context um i'm wanting to say it was i may botch this i'm so sorry it it I'm wanting to say this was a Korean view. I may be wrong. I don't remember. The, the problem with the chapter on Asia was they didn't specify by it's kind country. Of all the place, yeah, it's yeah. just all different countries and they've all got different histories and so it got a little jumbled. But wherever it was, they had been under it was Korea. It was Korea and then they had suffered from it was either Japanese or Chinese oppression over the years and I can't remember which.
1: If it's old, it's Chinese. Chinese. If it's recent, it's Japanese.
0: Okay. Um, whichever it was, they, had to- they told a story about it and just kind of gave a little history to kind of help you understand what they had dealt with in their history, which was helpful. But then he turned around and started talking about how this idea of uh, the Tower of Babel, how in Western culture... Like, Americans, Europeans, they look at it and they see the tower as this representation of the sin and evil of man. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And so that the story is God punishing mankind as a whole for their sin and pride and trying to, like, regain, uh, like, that connection with God or godliness or whatever it is man's reaching for, right? Or godhood. Um, But within their perspective they saw the Tower of Babel as a representation of the evil structures man creates. Um, kind of like I guess more like your idea of like biblical powers and principalities. Um, so like oppressive regimes and governments and things. And that in that story they see God coming down and aiding man in destroying that tower that the tower doesn't represent mankind, but the evil potential of mankind. And so that God is not punishing man by destroying that tower, but that he's keeping them in check and actually protecting them by destroying that tower. Which I, I don't think is the point of the story, but it's not biblically wrong either, Like as far as like God's character and what he thinks about man. You know what I mean? So that's two examples of one story and uh, and two different outcomes. Uh, the other one that came to mind was the story of Joseph and mm-hmm. His, mm-hmm. His, his brothers. You know, he his brothers sell him into slavery right. and uh, convince their dad that he's dead. And he ends up in Egypt, becomes a slave to a master, ends up having to interpret the king's dream right Right. that's right right and then he uh basically becomes like the third in command over egypt right exactly and so his brothers come back because there's a famine back home they think their brother's dead but they're going to egypt because they need help right and so they go there for food and when they get there is Joseph recognizes his brothers, but they don't recognize him because they just assume he's dead.
1: right right and uh, and he's now dressed like an like an Egyptian
0: right he he looks like an Egyptian. he doesn't just look like an Egyptian. he looks like Egyptian royalty at this point. and um he shows mercy to his brothers and he brings them back into the fold. uh well he you know, he tests them first, he sends them back, makes them bring his dad back, he even kind of messes with them, makes it look like they stole, you know to like, Mm -hmm. so he's definitely having his fun, which isn't great but eventually what happens is he tells them who he is and he forgives them and he brings his whole family back to live with him in Egypt and that's how the Jews eventually end up in Egypt, Egypt, and that's how they end up under uh, Egyptian oppression eventually.
1: Eventually the Um, a new regime comes in and...
0: right. With that said, though, we here in Western culture read that story and we ask ourselves, well, what does it mean? And I just want to ask, like, what, what would you say the main point of the story of Joseph
1: is? Of the whole story The whole of story, the whole story. Uh, God's protection uh, for Joseph, God using Joseph to provide for his... Uh, 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 for the extension of the nation of Israel right. in the future. Right.
0: We always make it about God's provision. Yeah. Right? That's how we see it, that right. God is with his people. Right. Right? Um, There was an African community that was read this story, and everyone in the class, they said, "What? what is the point of the story? And every one of them turned around and said, you always take care of your family. Interesting. <laughs> Isn't that cool, though? Because, like, that's the thing is they're both – Right.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that is a valid understanding of the story.
0: But we don't live in this like family, communal centric society. Yeah, yeah. Like so much of Africa does. And so our, our head doesn't go there immediately. Right. Theirs does. And so the point of this is there's an importance in seeing other people's views. Because it highlights the things we miss.
1: And it gives us a deeper understanding of of a passage of Scripture.
0: Right. So, um, yeah. So I've got some just basic uh, – jotted down in some notes. And we have got some basic understanding of, like, um, African, African African-American, Latino, Latina culture, and then uh, Asian cultures. Okay. okay. And so I just thought maybe we could go through some of those, and and basically talk about like what what it boils down to is you need to learn what people think like, and then you can get a somewhat okay understanding of maybe where their thoughts are going to go when they read a scripture. Okay. And so that was kind of what this class challenged us to do is like we read some interpretations from other countries but most of it was just getting familiarized with their way of thinking about the world and then once we knew that we ourselves could interpret from their point of view and say oh well maybe they would be more interested in you know family or more interested in community whereas maybe I'd be more self-serving in this which I found myself doing that quite a few times (laughs) Um, but so to start from the top um, I think let's do african and african american uh, sure which there's definitely a separation but it's kind of like oh, one yeah. one culture that's kind of split into two cultures okay. you know okay um so african american culture it's it's made out of slavery it, it the, you know most of the black people in this country are here because their ancestors were brought here as slaves and so, so much of the worldview of the African-American church is built on that concept of slavery or, or coming out of
1: slavery, right? What are the concepts in slavery that, that kind of stick around today? Oppression. Okay.
0: Oppression. Um, the I think the major theme, we talked about this a little bit, the major uh, theme that I see coming out of um, the African-American interpretation, there's a lot of liberation theology. Okay. There's a lot of uh, 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 trying to see the, seeing God as, as a liberator, a, a God of liberation, a God who is with the oppressed and with the um, marginalized. And okay. so that scope weighs heavy. I think.
1: So they view themselves still as being oppressed.
0: Yeah. And I think in a way, I think in a lot of ways there is a division. There is. And not in everything, but in some things. And um, I don't know, maybe not so much on an individual base. I I don't want to speak to this too much. I don't know. I'm not a black man, you know? And so I, I don't live in it, but like, I definitely see like from an institutional side I do see a lot of problems. I see a lot of like communities that it just doesn't sit right with me, you know, when I when I look at so many like like uh inner city communities and stuff and they're just destroyed, you know, and it's like how did this happen? You know, I I wanna ask that question. Right, right. And it doesn't seem right. And so yeah, I I think there there is uh there is a level of oppression today, not in the same way as it's always been. It's different. Um, but, yeah, so that, that's something I think that gets wrestled with.
1: Um, so what kind of passages, what kind of uh, scriptures, or maybe what slant to scripture would they find?
0: Pick any scripture. Let's do it. Let's do it on the spot.
1: Okay. Uh,
0: um, literally, just open your Bible somewhere. <laughs>
1: I mean, like, well, like, Psalms. Pick a Psalm. <laughs> oh, I was I was going to go to Jesus. go, do, to, go Jesus, to Jesus. Go Jesus. to Jesus. So, uh, uh, Sermon on the Mount. Um, in in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the Lord's Prayer in the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. Our Father in heaven, may Your name be kept holy. May Your kingdom. Come soon, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one.
0: Yeah. So you and I read that prayer all the time. And I would venture to say, you and I probably weigh a whole lot more on the lead us from temptation, on the uh, you are holy, um, on the sovereignty of God, on the goodness of God. Forgive our sins. Forgive our sins. But we're not all that worried about getting food today. We're not all that worried about, um, you know, being provided for.
1: It's, Give us our daily bread, and if you can't, it's okay, I got this. <laughs> right,
0: right. And so, I mean, for a for – a, so to go back to, like, a slave, like an early uh, or earlier interpretation in America by an African-American, um, yeah, I mean, are you going to be provided for today? And so, I mean, that verse is going to mean a whole lot more in that area than it would for you or me. And so maybe that's what's going to stand out. Um, For for today, seeing that daily bread as provision, maybe that doesn't just mean daily bread, but maybe that means like don't let somebody – look down on me today at the supermarket or 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 to deliver me from the evil one maybe that means you're oppressors maybe that's not just the devil right maybe that's the people out there that dislike you because of the color of your skin you know what i mean and so you start i i can't give a perfect interpretation
1: may your kingdom come soon would would uh, do you think they would they could have a, a different view of the kingdom yeah, or in a different oh appreciation of the kingdom?
0: I think there are many that would, and I think there are some people out there that don't. Um, for instance, and we'll get into this lady soon. Um, for, for, okay, there are, some, there are some African-American interpreters that would read that and say, I want the kingdom of Jesus to come because his kingdom is good and it's true and it's righteous and it's going to fix all this. And it's impartial. It's impartial. This, it's impartial. I'm, a, I'm a son or a daughter of Christ in that kingdom, and... I, I want that. You know, I want this world to be God's kingdom. And then I think there's other African-American interpreters, um, like Mitzi J. Smith, who is a uh, Harvard graduate and theologian, and uh, she would say that's wicked, wicked theology now. She comes from a critical view of the Bible. True. She does not think that Scripture is inerrant. She thinks there True. are some Scriptures we need to do without. And she would say, talking about the kingdom, in the gospel is wrong because it promotes marginalization and oppression because kingdoms are regimes in which some are made low and others are exalted and the Bible is that Jesus isn't about that. And we shouldn't uh, push that kind of language. Um, Something Dr. Coleman though, in my class uh, pointed out was she said a friend of hers or a colleague of hers had said, um, you know, I, I think there's a difference between kingdom and, um, what was the other? Empire. Huh, yeah. I think it was empire is what she said. But, but she was trying to draw the conclusion, like, what God is talking about is not that. Right. Like, that is not what's happening here. And contextually, if you read the Bible... That isn't what the kingdom of God right, is.
1: Right, it's right. to
0: challenge the concept of earthly kingdom. It's to come and say this kingdom is different than any kingdom. You yeah. know, it's all upside down. You know, like the meek shall inherit the earth. Right, you know, right, like, right. and so, uh, but that still that doesn't stop the fact that Mitzi Smith read that and that's right. what she got out of it. Okay, that's her interpretation, and
1: she's entitled to it, as wrong as it is. But. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and and that's the point. (laughs) Right. Um, Can somebody be wrong? And and we're saying, yeah, they can be.
0: Yeah. And you know what? And here's the thing. I was the only white kid in my class. It was me and two African-American classmates of mine that I've been in countless other classes with. They do a great job. Uh, One guy, his name's Tommy. He was in agreement with Mitzi Smith. And then the lady named Ruby said she disagreed. And said that Jesus' kingdom isn't about that. And so I sat there and I was like, This is great. Like I don't feel yeah. I felt like I was kinda like just like I was it was good to know that like my idea of what I was saying wasn't just because I'm like a white man with no understanding of African American culture. Gotcha. I had yeah. an African American yeah. sister right. in Christ standing right. there with me saying, No, this is this is not Jesus, you know, that you're right. saying yeah. something else. And so it's cool to to kind of see everybody weigh in. Okay. You know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's a glimpse into the African-American uh, perspective. The African perspective would be different,
1: right? Yes, it would. Uh, African-Americans uh, have been out of Africa for over 100 years. Right. And, and uh, things change.
0: Absolutely. Uh, the other... <coughs> to keep in mind is Africa is right next door to where all of this in the Bible is happening. And some of the places are happening in Africa, Hmm, right? It's true. And so when we read scripture uh, or, or from the African interpretation, you see if say I lived in Africa and I'm reading the Bible about such and such location, That may be 20 minutes up the road. So it's just kind of interesting to think, like, that you have a modern day. Sorry about that, man. You're good, man. (laughs) Go down the wrong pipe?
1: No, it's allergies. Oh, man. The rain has brought it out.
0: (laughs) No, it gets me every time, dude. I get a headache every single time it rains. And it's pouring today, by the way. Um, But kind of the idea that you can look around you and see – at least remnants or shadows of that same culture in places that you read about in the Bible that have survived over
1: time or, I mean... Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, Jesus goes down into uh, to Egypt. He stays right. probably near Alexandria for first year or so of his life. Right. You have the Ethiopian eunuch. You've got, and, you know, just on and on. Well... Joseph in Egypt. That's part of Africa, right? So,
0: so there's probably um, I don't I don't want to say this wrong, but like a sense of reality to it all that we hmm. just don't have here in a completely disconnected bubble. Like we don't live in a world remotely resembling right the life and times of the people in the Bible. Not to say that the principles don't apply; they do. Whereas
1: they they can say my ancestry may have gone up to Jerusalem.
0: Exactly, and I mean that's just it. Is like uh, one of the examples from uh, the book I was reading was saying like I'm reading about a market in the Bible. Mm-hmm. I can go to a market just like that, operating <laughs> just like that, and look around and see the hustle and bustle and be like. Yeah, this okay. makes sense. Yeah. You know, like I, I get this. I get the what we're trying to go for here, and so uh, I guess yeah, uh, a commonality okay. is something they could ex- uh, understand that, that maybe we wouldn't have. Um, also, you know, you've got uh, w- they would look the same. They would they would yep. have yep. Uh, similar skin tones, similar facial features, and things as a lot of the people that probably lived in the Bible. Like, we know that, uh, well, it's speculated that Zipporah, Moses' wife, was a black woman. Yeah. And, I mean, so to be able to read that and say, like, I'm an African black woman, and so is Zipporah, you know? Like, yeah, that's, yeah, like, that's yeah, yeah. cool. It's like, a, it's something to, to level with. And
1: so that would affect the Here's way an you identification read identification there, an identity.
0: Right. Like, you, yeah. maybe you could see yourself. In that story, in a way that I, as a white man living in America, can't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I get the heart of it, but I, I, my, my aesthetic doesn't fit there. My <laughs> worldview doesn't fit there. My, my world around me doesn't right.
1: fit there. It's kind of funny because you know I'm I'm thinking about things like uh, uh, Da Vinci's Last Supper, mm-hmm. where you have. Uh, a painting of 12 very Italian-looking men right. sitting around a table when Scripture says that they reclined at the table. and uh, You know, we all want to see Jesus like us.
0: Oh, I, I witnessed that firsthand last year. Sorry, two years ago at Christmas, driving here, okay, It was just before Christmas, and people had started to put out their nativity scenes. And I will never be able to unsee this. As I was driving down Main Street, I looked to my left, and there's a nativity scene. And everyone in the nativity scene is stark white with blonde hair. (laughs) (laughs) I just about wrecked. Like, I was just like, what? No. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know, man. It's just, yeah, it's weird, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, that's a perfect example, though, right? Like, everybody kind of, yeah, they do project the, their own attributes, their own views. Look at Roman Catholic depictions of Christ. He's always, he's always white, sure, sure. You know, like sure. olive skin, like like Mediterranean right, people.
1: Right, you know? right. yeah, hours, <laughs> right. hours. It's not just Roman Catholic. It's yeah, it's Protestant true. Protestant as well. It's. We all want to see Jesus like us. I mean, I've been to Latin America where I've been to the cathedral of the Virgin of Guadalupe. Are
0: they all Mexican?
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Virgin of Guadalupe is a very, very native Mexican-looking woman. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Okay, this is horrible, but uh, don't ever watch this show. It's not good. I, I had to actually quit because it just got so sacrilegious I couldn't keep up. Um, not that it doesn't start that way. It's pretty much straight through just not good. But uh, American Gods was a show on okay, Showtime. I, think I've heard of it. I don't know. It was a book, and I was just like, what is this? I just wanted to see what it was. But there's one part where they go to this party. The whole concept of the show is gods exist because people believe in them. Okay. Is the whole idea. Oh, and at one boy. point they end yeah. up at a they end up at a uh at an Easter party and it's the goddess Esther is putting on the Easter party. Mm. And they all go visit her and there's like thousands of Jesuses walking around because each of the Jesuses is like the construct of some group of people's imagination and they all are different. Like there's black Jesus, Mexican Jesus, white Jesus. Like, <laughs> it's like they've just made up a million versions but, of
1: Jesus. We have all done that.
0: But Right, yeah. and so like I'm watching the show, and I'm like, okay, I understand that they're trying to knock on Christianity here, right, but that's right. a very accurate depiction about how
1: people it actually look is. at Jesus. And that's not totally bad. I mean, as long as we understand that, Jesus, the real Jesus, the guy that was walking around 2,000 years ago, is not at all like that. Right. But I want him to understand me. Right. It's I
0: want to be known by him. I want to be understood. And and that's just it. Jesus would understand your culture. He would know you and love you no matter what uh, culture you come from. But... uh, (laughs) Yeah, it was a wild, wild little show.
1: Okay, so that's African-American and African. What else do you have?
0: Uh, let's do uh, Latin, Ameri- uh, Latin okay. American. Yeah. Okay.
1: Now, are you talking about immigrant Latin Americans we can do living both. in the U.S.? We can do both. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, do you want to talk from your perspective a little bit? I don't have
1: a whole lot to say about that. I can I can cover the immigration. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I know a little bit, but... Uh, Yeah, my experience is overseas. Um, I was mentioning to you uh, before we got started that for a uh, course that I took on liberation theology, uh, I had to read a book called The uh, Gospel in Solentiname. Solentiname is a very, very small village in Nicaragua. And uh, the priests there formed a Bible study group during uh, the incursion, during Ortega's attack, Against the uh, Sandinista forces trying to liberate uh, Nicaragua from uh, from a dictator, and um, it was very interesting. Uh, the point of the whole book, all the priest did was write down what people said about the Bible study that they had, and uh, you see exactly what we're talking about. Everybody had their own interpretation of a passage. And uh, there were some that were very traditional Christian, some that were very avant-garde, uh, uh, liberal Christianity, some were th- that were completely Marxist. This is about overthrowing the government and and fighting and taking up arms. But everybody kind of had their own approach. I think people in general do that. Mm-hmm. Now, part of what I was trying to do in uh, seminary in, in Columbia was help students not do that, help students first come to grips with what Scripture says and then apply it to the situation that they were in so that Scripture isn't apart from my context, but it's not that my context determines what Scripture means. Right. Rather, Scripture determines what I do in my context. Right. Right. Um, In general, some of the uh, tendencies that I noticed, there was a much heavier reliance on the church. Um, Ecclesiology, the study of the church, was way more important there than it is here. That's
0: probably got to do with the fact that so much of the history has been steeped in Catholicism, though, right?
1: Part of it, but I think also the Latin man is very communal. So there is a... We can talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> there's a desire to belong to something.
0: That, that was actually one of the things uh, that we talked about was how uh, coming to understand Scripture, interpreting Scripture, reading Scripture, it's to be done together, not like solo.
1: Oh, and they would definitely do that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, what was another? Oh, uh, like charismatic movements are pretty big in uh, yes, Latin
1: America, right? Yes, they are. Okay, did that
0: weigh on interpretation at all?
1: You think? Yeah. Um, the charismatics that I had in my class, one of the first things I had to try to teach them was, okay, scripture—the original meaning is important because they wanted to go straight to. The spirit is telling me, this is, the, the 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 spirit is showing me that this is, and I don't want to deny that, but I want them first of all to come to grips with what the text actually right. says. You want to say, which spirit's telling you that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't actually do that, but uh, <laughs> I wanted them to come back to class the next day. <laughs> right.
0: Um, uh, one of the other... Oh oh talking about like uh like immigrant yeah. uh, situations with uh Latin American people that end up in other countries right um you you kind of come back to that whole uh sort of African American approach again of liberation theology is present yeah. once again yeah um and then sort of that marginalization like feeling marginalized feeling out of place feeling like a uh oh what's the what's the word i'm looking for here um
1: alienation no
0: it's a good word i got a diaspora Uh, oh yeah yeah, somebody from your uh, away from your homeland um and so like being able to kind of level with the Jews when they're away from their homeland or with Adam and Eve once they're removed from the garden or, you know, like it's this yeah. ha- having that in common in ways others might, may not. Um, that was really interesting
1: to me. I wonder if the whole issue of identity, identity in Christ becomes very important when you're living in a country where either, uh, you are there illegally yeah. and you can't really talk about your identity Or you are there legally and your identity is no longer in the place that you are living. It's in a place that you have left. So so what are you?
0: Um, I think that's a very good point. Uh, There was another term that I kind of noted that I want to make sure I... Remember, and i it's in Spanish, and so if I try and say it, it's going to be completely wrong. So <laughs> I just want to make sure I get up uh, mestizo? Oh, yeah. Um, but I wanted to say there was another pronunciation with it Mestizo. Uh, but is, is there like a mestiaje? Or, uh, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. mestiza. Uh, Mestizaje. Right there. Misty Zahe. Misty Zahe. Um, Okay. But the idea of being mixed. Yeah. And so, um, and I guess you could probably apply this to like uh, African American um, biracial people as well. Uh, But the idea of...
1: I don't hear it nearly as much from my African American friends as I do from my Latin friends. Really? Yeah, yeah. There's... Latin America's is uh, colonized by Europeans. Okay. And if you can, if if you look European, there's you're a cut above. There is incredible prejudice in Latin America.
0: They want you to look European.
1: Like looking European is good. People want to look European. Yeah.
0: So, wow. Okay. Yeah. Interesting.
1: If you are. I, it's it's horrible, but when the Mexican soccer team would come to play in Colombia, the Colombians would call them Indians. Really? Yeah. Even though the Colombians were probably genetically just as Indian as they were, they didn't look quite had, as Indian in their minds as the Mexicans. Had they been so.
0: colonized by Europe? Yeah. The yeah. Colombians had.
1: That yeah. Colombians had. So, so were the Mexicans,
0: right? Right, right, right. That's so interesting. Um, and so that was another thing that got talked about, though. Was like, um, one of the men that wrote was talking about how he and his people were, um, kind of like the native people of one of the Latin American countries, I don't remember which. And he was saying how they were looked down upon because, oh, of yeah. And, uh, like, treated like trash, basically. Well, like they were they, slaves. Yeah, like, I mean, right.
1: the Europeans came here and enslaved the native population. Right. They didn't bring slaves over.
0: And so in his reading of uh, the story of the good shepherd, or the, the psalm of the good shepherd, he sees um, that Christ looks after him and is with him and is, like, leading him and sees him as, like, this... Uh, like he's with him in the face of his enemies and he's upholding him and he's making him strong, even though everything around him is bad. He's walking through the valley of death, you know? And uh, I just thought that was really wow. cool that that's he was neat. like, you know, like, yeah, I'm looked at as like the lowest of people, but that's not how Christ sees me. Yeah, You know? And, um, and so, yeah, I think that that, that idea of mixed um, in maybe in Latin America would be good to be, uh, looking more European, right? But then you get over here and you're mixed and you're far from home. Yeah. What's your identity? Right. And right. I think people deal with that too. And that was the context I think they were talking about uh, Mastillo in that. But
1: Okay.
0: Uh, so, so, yeah, it's funny how like that same concept, right? Of yeah. being biracial. In one setting, it's good. In another setting... It's bad. Yeah. And both of those affect your outlook. Or maybe it's perceived by you or others as good or bad. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, it's not good or it's, it doesn't matter what you are. You right. Yeah. right, 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 right. Um, but uh, the last one would be Asian interpretation. Okay. Which I think is really, I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't what I was expecting. Okay. Uh, But it was really cool. Um, A lot of Asian culture gets worked in to Asian interpretation. Okay. Uh, One of the first things that stood out to me is the history of Asian religion and culture is very spirit-based, right? Like, they believe heavily in ghosts and spirits and witches and all that stuff. And so when they read the Bible... And they see, like, you know, for you are with me. And they're like, he's with me. like Literally, he's with, like, I think the Holy Spirit and God, you know, being with his people, like, I think that's a much more tangible thing in their eyes. Uh, I think that they would be more likely to expect miracles, to expect big magical things to happen, you know. Yeah. Um, in ways that we in Western culture are like oh that doesn't happen anymore you know like that that was a different time you know and I don't believe that I believe miracles do happen right, but I think right. there's a natural consensus in Western culture that maybe we're beyond that that that, that there was a given time for that sort of thing and uh, I forget what that school of thoughts called but a lot of people prescribe to it yeah yeah or subscribe to it I'm sorry um, another uh, another thing about uh, Asian, Culture being kind of plugged into the Bible that I thought was really cool was talking about how they relate things they're very common with uh, or, or familiar with to the Bible. So like the yin-yang, uh, they kind of plug that in as an explanation of things, right? That, that there's evil and there's good but even in the good there's a little strain of evil and in the evil there's still a little strain of good and they kind of use that to like help explain you know the human condition in ways
1: okay um yeah. I get it for the human condition well you, yeah, well, it makes you, good sense. you
0: literally said it and because uh, like I was kind of like ooh, I don't know if that works for me and then you quoted uh in your sermon what was his name
1: Solzhenitsyn? Solzhenitsyn. Oh, yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. The line he that says runs exactly through his, he that. says
0: exactly that. And that's when I was like, yeah. ooh, that is interesting that that lines up.
1: For the human condition, yes. Not for
0: God. Not for God, no. Right. Um, but then the, it, just talking about, like, using concepts of, like <laughs> – it didn't go into explanations on what this meant, but they had something like they referred to it as water buffalo theology. I don't know what that okay. means, but it was like... <laughs> I kind of know what a water buffalo is. Exactly. It's a big, nasty animal. But it kind of got my, my mind going. I was like, what would that plug into, you know? Like, how are they... Or like, they were talking about how they use like uh, bananas or mangoes, things like that to, to kind of tie into things. But then they were saying how like, or the concept of a guru. And so, like, Christ would have been a guru to his people. You know, he was a spiritual leader. You know,
1: have you ever heard of the E. Stanley Jones? Hmm. So E. Stanley Jones was a missionary, a Methodist missionary to India. And he was one of the more successful missionaries. wrote a number of books, great books, good missionary, good conservative fellow. But what he did that was so unique that really kind of got him off and running was he started holding Christian ashrams and ashram is a Hindu thing, right? Where that's where you go do like yoga. And yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Meditation. Well, he would do Christian ashrams where people would come together and they'd pray and they'd study the Bible hmm. and it was great. And, uh, they begin to treat him like a guru, you know, they that's exactly what I'm dress about. him up in it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They, they, you know, we would say uh, a small group or the Bible would say like, yeah. and, the, and they gathered, the disciples gathered, you know, and he's just calling that an ashram. Mm-hmm. And then the teacher or a rabbi, that's just the guru, you know, like, and it's not like it becomes a, an Indian guru. It's right. just, that's the word used to help explain.
1: And you're not, cheapening the biblical concept Not you at all. are translating
0: it in fact to take it a step further god does it for people in the bible um or at least accepts it as as an okay form of worship um abraham calls god el yeah el is the highest canaanite deity now god isn't el the canaanite deity but that's the only thing in Abraham's context that he had to, uh, right. to say right. when he met God. And God was okay with that. Yeah. Like, it, he yeah. was like, yeah, I am the best. You're right. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm, I'm that guy. Sure. Um, but that, that's cool, though. Like, I don't think God has any qualms with you using your culture to understand him. Jesus did it all the time through parable. That's oh, yeah. what it was.
1: Well, that, yeah, that's exactly what a parable is, relating culture to a biblical truth. Exactly. Um,
0: some other cool things about uh, Asian interpretation. Um, the Asian reader is big on liminal space. We've talked about liminal space. A
1: little bit, but as you describe this to me, it's a slightly different meaning. So yeah. when they talk about liminal space, what are they talking about?
0: Um, it's, it's an in-between space. Okay. And so they view liminal space, which, I mean, it's not, diff- it's not necessarily wrong from what you said either. It's just a different way of looking yeah, at it. Yeah. What you said was liminal space is where something important happens and right, people right. remember it collectively. Right. Well, the Asian reader is finding themselves in a liminal space in this oh. in-between state. And they're viewing that as their walk with Christ. That They are called as citizens of heaven. And they're called as citizens of their nation here on Earth. And so they have a dual citizenship that they're trying to maintain sort of as a bridge between heaven and Earth. And that's where they're living their lives, in this liminal space, which I thought was kind of interesting.
1: I like that. Um,
0: Another one. Which
1: which kind of relates back to – I've traveled a little bit in the Orient you see huge temples mm-hmm. then you see in india there were like little shrines on street corners and people would stop there and they'd pray i mean it was it was amazing it would i would never see anything like that happening here in right. america but over there it was just normal uh, they would enter this area where there was an image and uh, uh, maybe some, some incense and some candles. And it's almost like they changed. The space was different to them. So mm. I kind of get the idea of a liminal space. That's cool. Yeah.
0: That's really cool. Um, the other thing that kind of stood out was their the way they viewed the Catholic church. And when I say Catholic, I don't mean, like, Roman Catholic. I mean, like, the universal church. Um, It it talked about how, like, you know, within Asia, there's many cultures. And so kind of they have an interest in finding where different topics can, like, bring them together and where they can all kind of learn from each other about, um, like, it was talking about the Trinity, the idea of the Trinity, and how, you know, this group over here may see it this way, and this group over here may see it this way, but how none of it's necessarily wrong, you know, and, and they can kind of come together as the mm-hmm. greater church mm-hmm. in their differences and learn from each other, and so they, they, they put a lot of importance on not just, like, my little country, but, right. like, right. the whole world. As believers in Christ, okay. which was really interesting to me. Yeah. Um, and then, lastly, the thing that stuck out was, um, it's they take it very literal, like like very very to heart. Like to to read like that, I am on a mission from God. Right? That I, my mission is to go spread the gospel. Like that is not a light thing to them. Like huh. it becomes that is my goal in life is to spread the gospel of Christ that's like, fantastic. they read it they believe it like with everything in them um, it's a very it seems like there's like a high level of of just devotion and belief like yeah. it's it's all at face value not everything has to be figurative language you know <laughs> like, it's like I read it okay that's what it means got it I'll do that you know um, and that's cool. Yeah, because I need some of that. <laughs>
1: that is neat. That is neat. I like that.
0: Um, that's it. That's all I've got as far as uh, interpretive kind of I, concepts.
1: I did want to say one other thing here, and this is my take on what hermeneutics is. I, I see an individual, a Christian, as kind of a bridge between Scripture and the culture that he lives in. So, um,
0: resting in a liminal space.
1: Resting in a liminal space. <laughs> Uh, the Christian has to understand the text and he has to be serious about that he needs to know the text he needs to study the text he needs to be constantly trying to Mm -hmm. deepen his understanding of what the Bible says what God says about himself and what that means then for him as an individual but the other side of the Christian's life is that he lives in a particular culture, he lives in a given setting, and there's a culture associated with that setting. And that setting, that culture, gives to him a series of questions that become important. He takes those questions to the text, and he looks for answers. Finds probably not all the answers he's looking for, but he finds some. He goes back to his culture he interprets the text to his culture. Now, he does that for himself personally. That may mean that he begins to live his life differently. Uh, maybe he's part of a Christian community, and he shares this with the Christian community. And the Christian community begins to behave differently. Well, now there's a new culture, a new context that he's in. Right. He takes that new context back to Scripture, and again it gives him questions to ask he finds answers again maybe not all but some he takes that back to his context and the whole thing begins again
0: his context is always shifting always changing
1: and that's why you can study one passage this year and study the very same passage 10 years from now and it's like it's new it's like you've Oh, I didn't see that before. Well, you didn't see it before because you didn't have the questions that you have today. You brought a different reality. You brought a different set of questions to the text. You brought maybe some understanding of other passages of Scripture that's going to help you understand that text. But every time you go back to Scripture, even the same Scripture that you studied before, it's... Like there's a new revelation, like something new that takes place.
0: Well it's kind of interesting too because it sort of highlight highlights God's sovereignty. That you are maybe you're not living the way you should be, right? Maybe you're or maybe you're living great right now. I don't know. Wherever you're at in life, whatever troubles or, or good stuff's going on, um at the you're you're exactly where you need to be, right? You're you're where you're at regardless, right? It's almost like this... This is really confusing. I'm sorry. I'm trying to figure out how to say this right. But it's kind of like you, yeah, you live in your free will. Mm -hmm. But there's almost this level of like fadedness to it that God knows where you are. And God in his sovereignty Hmm. wrote his word in a way that no matter where you are, That's going to apply exactly how it needs to right there. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, you don't need to change if bad stuff's going on in your life or whatever. That doesn't mean like, oh, I just need to stay here. But it means that even no matter where you're at on your journey, you are always in a place where Scripture is going to
1: speak to you. One of the promises that we have from Jesus is that he will send the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will lead us into truth. I think there's part of that, too. Yeah. He leads us as we study scripture and Absolutely. says, "Hey, what about this part of your life over here? Would that apply to there?" And oh yeah, it does. <laughs> right.
0: Now, and sorry, one more thing I want to add to um, is talking about like going back to the scripture with your context, yeah. right? You have to be careful when you do that. You can't let your context determine what scripture says exactly right right and that was my qualm that was my main concern with that book by mitzi smith gotcha is she wanted to see slavery and everything she wanted to see oppression and everything and so she could make it happen where she wanted it even when it didn't line up contextually and uh and so i i think we have to be careful or else we turn into what we dislike because her whole argument was the the Eurocentric view of the Europeans over the years had used the Bible to oppress the slaves right? because they wanted it to. And they did. And they did. But then she, in turn, to speak out against it, did the exact same thing. (laughs) And so my argument is we have to be careful not to try and make the Bible say what we want it to say.
1: Let Scripture be Scripture. Exactly. Let it say what it's saying. That's going to be enough to change you.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And the thing is... If you just scripture doesn't need to say what you want it to say because what scripture says is good enough and better than what you want it to say. That's true. That's you true. just gotta you just gotta know it well enough. You've gotta come to know what it says. That's great. Cool. So yeah, guys, get to know people around you, get to know the cultures you're unfamiliar with. Um, people of every tribe and tongue, right? That's uh, that's biblical.
1: That's very biblical.
0: Um, we all got to come together. We've all got to. We, we know the Bible better when we know the views of people that aren't like us that can point out the stuff that we might have missed. Um, and the other thing is, if you read something and it is one hundred percent wrong, like contextually from Scripture, like if there's no way you could find or anyone else for that matter can find the bible actually supporting this read it anyways because it challenges you and it helps you know why it needs to be different and what scripture actually says um go make friends go make friends with people that aren't like you and uh stay salty
1: is life feeling chaotic i get it